everybody, and welcome to a very special little episode of Listen to These Nerds. My name is Chris, and today we are going to be doing a post-mortem for the first season of Mythos Unit. Basically, sort of a discussion, Q&A sort of wrap-up to talk about uh, pretty much the season that we all had and stuff. So, joining me today are, starting on my left and going clockwise around the table, I'm Megan, and I finally get to express myself for who I am, because we're not playing any characters today. Today, only truth reigns. <laughs> and here comes the therapy. My name is Harry, and I will be playing Harry. <laughs> I am never out of character. I'm Joey, and I'm Thorky. I'm my character. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's me. That's always me. <laughs> what, 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 I don't have a character name yet. Uh, What's my character's backstory? That I'm sure he'll be interesting. <laughs> I, I'm John, and I'm glad this is only the first time we've had to record this. <laughs> For now. Uh, I'm Yvette. You know enough about me already. <laughs> Too much, we might say. They know nothing about you. If anything, we should have some kind of introductory episode. <laughs> Not important. So the important thing to remember is Yvette didn't play Jack Houston. Yes. That's true. There was apparently some misunderstanding. Shout out to part- one of our fans! <laughs> to my uncle, <laughs> okay, fine. who bought in so hard to, to my Jack Houston accent that he didn't recognize me Aww. and thought I was a vet, and he thought a vet was from New Zealand. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, kudos a, a to you for the accent. Yes. Hi, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry for dragging you. <laughs> hey, what are podcasts for if not for dragging our fans? In a way that we love them. So, time for some discussion. So, basically, yeah, starting this game off, basically, I wanted to create sort of an urban fantasy thing, and so when the idea of cops came into it, I thought I had a hook, because if basically urban fantasy existed, and everything that is mythological was in fact real, what would law enforcement be like for all the people who have to deal with all the ridiculous shit that happens involving crime and punishment and stuff? So, should we, like, be asking you questions? Sure. Or are you going to ask us questions? Or how are we going to structure this? Are you just uh, going to tell us a story? <laughs> why don't we go with a bit of both? You guys can ask me questions. I can ask you questions here and there. Well, what to get started with, why don't we talk about, like, where we came up with the ideas for our characters hmm. from? Or even our why we chose to, to base this in London when none of us have been oh, to London. The fucking <laughs> fight of the century? Oh, Wait, yeah, it, that fucking thing. It was almost based in Hawaii. Remember that? Vaguely. I, I think at some point it was going to be some other, like, central European was, city. Was it, were we almost in Vegas? I think so. I think it was, like, very close to being in Vegas, and I remember being very mad. <laughs> so, creating the creating this game, originally, like, the idea that I had was, like, um, basically I had ideas in mind, like, classic uh, action cop shows, like, Magnum P.I. or movies like Lethal Weapon, you know, the sorts of stuff with car chases and explosions and stuff like that, but... Based on the location we actually wound up dealing with for London, the tone of the game changed very dramatically. So, yeah. And the characters. Are you telling me that I could have been, like, Miami vicing my way through this shit and we lost that? Well, as I recall, I put out several suggestions for several cities in America, but none of you guys wanted to... You know, uh, basically, it wasn't gelling with everybody. Well, let's be honest... we wouldn't be able to magnum PI our way through anything. Joey would have gone like uh, like a criminology heart attack as we disregarded protocol and like mm. paperwork. Had a, had a hard enough time with the whole like warrants thing, but <laughs> hey, my character actually went to go get warrants. Yeah. That's true. No, no just that's a fine. bit of background in case you didn't catch that. One of our uh, members, in fact, has a degree. Wow! In criminology. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Master Joey. criminal. <laughs> wow. That's you, Joey. Congratulations. 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 Finally, my degree is useful for something. Yay. Yay. Well, I think we definitely consulted one of your textbooks at mm-hmm. point. Oh, yeah, we did, didn't yep. we? Yep, when well, we yep. found that dead body. <laughs> well, I know. It's like a post-mortem, post-mortem, mm-hmm. really, mm-hmm. kind of. I know when I was designing my character and thinking how the game would go, all I could picture was Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. Because that's, like, probably the most recent cop show. And so my character's very 
Jake Peralta. Mm-hmm. At least that was the intention. Mm-hmm. Well, you did it very well. Yes. So, <laughs> for my character, uh, basically, I had just finished reading through uh, the graphic novel Black Sad, which is basically about a private, an anthropomorphic private investigator basically solving crimes. And he's very surly and somewhat, uh, you know, gruff and stuff like that. He's Cat Batman in the old days. Yes, basically. The 1920s. Uh, so basically I based a lot of my character on that, including the name Blackmore, Black Sad, you know. Uh, and then basically I'm like, well, at this time everyone was discussing Black that. Sad would have just been way too... Yeah, way too on the nose. As you all know, subtlety is my specialty. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, anyway, the, while everyone else was designing their character, I realized that, like, we'd had somebody from Canada, from New Zealand, from... and the Americas, and we didn't have anybody that was, like, a local person. So I'm like, okay... Uh, so then I turned to my closest reference for that, which was John Constantine. So I'm like, all right, throw in some tragic backstory, gruff demeanor, long coat, old. Yeah, this works. Old? Yeah, I regularly described him with salt and pepper hair. He's like mid I was old. thinking, I kept imagining more Luther. I don't know if you're familiar with Luther. Yeah, yeah, something around there. But like, okay. you know, grayer hair from stress. So, you know, old is relative. I wanted to play a senile old man. <laughs> and you succeeded. I did. Yes, you did. I, will I, not... I never felt senile. Yeah, okay, but he acts senile. You Mr. When Magoo a, shit, a bunch of shit a lot. Yeah, essentially yeah. I wanted to play Mr. Magoo. <clears throat> I'm still waiting for you to just be like, embrace tranquility as you like punch a dude's heart out. I pretty much did that. I hit man somebody at least once. <laughs> so I've got a question, Joey. Um, for uh, Quincy, how... Mm, how senile is he actually? Like, is some of it an act, or... If you if you listen back, you'll notice Quincy's actually very manipulative. I, yes, On multiple I, I occasions, he pretends to be old just to convince people that, that to, like, go along with stuff. And he also doesn't really like authority. That's right. why, in a lot of cases, he plays the, oh, I'm just old, and oh, I don't understand. When I'm just people, a friendly old man. When people try to tell him to do things, so... Mm. Or that time he, like... Use that old man power to get a ridiculous amount of data out of somebody that works in retail. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That Home Depot, yeah. Mm-hmm. That poor Home Depot employee. That guy is so fired. That guy probably got fired, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He should be. Mm-hmm. Incredibly unethical. Uh, I came up with the idea of playing a fantasy racist. <laughs> Unfortunately, there were, uh, Griffin, all of his, all of these myths so, like, likable and helpful. I'm like, character can, can't, like, be a racist. You're not yeah. see, you're not good at being racist in real life, so you weren't good in the game. You need to practice. Yeah, yeah, clearly. Um, I mean, there. I, I feel like I got some good stuff in there, like that, like when we discovered that like elves were hurt by like iron powder. I'm like, huh, we could weaponize that. <laughs> I chalked that more up, like in character. I chalked that more up to you being an American than anything else. <laughs> Yeah, I did get to, to like use like be the person who's like using force. Yeah, yeah. But you know, you had that one instance where you just straight up shot that Hydra. Yeah, but I mean, it's yeah. not like it was a sentient creature. It's not like yeah. I I took a like a troll out behind the like. <laughs> you shot an unarmed troll and then planted a knife on him yeah. and said he was coming at you in self defense. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll have plenty of time for that in season two. <laughs> I think the problem was that your character's not a bad or unethical cop. Like, you don't have both, so you can't really express your racism in, like, graphic ways towards nice people. Mm-hmm. Like, if you were to go more, like more actually, of a dirty cop. Yeah, if you were, you were actually... less about the law, uh-huh. for instance, and having a delightful pet dog who helps you, mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> things could get dark, but mm-hmm. as it is right now, you know. Probably yeah. on par. Having Ace definitely increased your character's likability, John. Yeah, and, like... That was the thing, is that he he, he treats either like animals or like people who always have a weapon on them. Mm. Mm. But that's hard to articulate. So Yeah. yeah. The is. problem is if, if, the problem is if you're actually racist, you'll just make up reasons why you hate someone. Mm. Like you'll find any reason to be like, Oh well they're this type of person, therefore I'll prejudge them and apply as many bad things as I can to them. The problem is you were very reasonable and logical about things, which is like not in line with that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not to say that your character doesn't already work. Yes. It's fully functional mm-hmm. as it is. Mm-hmm. It's just if you really wanted, like, everyone to know. If like, you want to get grimy. Yeah. yeah. If you wanted to be an unpleasant racist. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's... 
Mm. I really don't think he would fit very well with the rest of the party. If yeah, that happened. We'd have to hide it, right? I think mm. uh, I think he would get punched out by at least one member of the team. He's really good at punching people. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the vet, uh, what about your character? Um, this is the part that I always hate because my character thought process is really like I think about it while everybody else is doing it. Yeah. Hey, that's fine. <laughs> um, I don't know. I was just like, um, I kind of started with the the gargoyle thing. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to think of somebody who was... Was that the same time you were watching the cartoon Gargoyles? No, that was... Mm. <laughs> just checking. But it came out of a brain like a flash in the night. I heard Keith David's voice and I was like... <gasps> <gasps> Wink. Um, yeah, so I was just trying to think of somebody who would be kind of not very gargoyle in real life. Hmm. So. Um, yeah. That's... Cool, Okay. So yeah, once we started out the campaign, basically, I created the first sort of little arc involving the, you know, salamanders and the pyromancers, basically, as an introductory thing, to show that not all myths are relatively bad, and that people can, in fact, be as bad as, you know, some of the worst myths and stuff like that. Yeah. I I will say that, that you've got a lot of, like, mileage out of, I'm an American. Do you know what that means? That means I don't respect your rights. Patriot yep. Act, motherfucker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was a simple enough little game. Just introducing, you know, uh, basically when I wrote the uh, character of Makin Aldana, who was the... The Afrit. Yeah, the Afrit that you guys met. Basically, there is a lot more to him than meets the eye as well. So if you guys wanted to talk to him some more in Season 2, you might find out some interesting wow. things about him. Here comes, like, wow, this is like some intense metagaming where he's putting plot hooks in the postmortem for us to follow. Oh, well, I mean, possibly. <laughs> what you're saying is you wrote, like, a whole big thing for him and we didn't use it and you wanted to use he it. Has this well, of course what's going to happen is we're going to get become friends and then he's going to offer me a wish and I'm going to take it. And then, of course, being a djinn, or at least a, like, offshoot of the djinn, it's going to end up horribly backfiring on us. Friend, friends don't let friends do wishes. <laughs> <laughs> After that came the li- little library arc, which was basically to show how myths uh, could be dangerous as well as a reversal from humans with myth abilities. So, you know, to show that a lot of myths can be, in fact, be treated like wild animals who are out and on the prowl and stuff. That was also the first time we met, uh, what's his nuts? Buttermaker, right? Yeah. Buttermaker! Buttermaker so... is a great name, actually. I would, I'd actually like to commend Chris on that. That's a great name for someone who's, like, shitty. Yeah. Yeah. Very much a sort of, oh, there's so much that we can do with this. Ah! Yeah, basically, I wanted to go for something that was unintimidating, yet easy to make fun of at the same time. And of course, you needed the obstructive bureaucrat, because yes. what good cop show is it without someone trying to get us to turn in our badge and gun? Not to mention, um, there. I find that just about any campaign can be made better if everybody is given at least one character to equally hate on. <laughs> so, who better than the asshole boss? Yeah, I like how you didn't make it our direct boss, which was nice. Yeah. yeah. And which also brings me to James Hightower as well. The chief, so to speak. You know, somebody who's been doing this for a long time, somebody who's tough but fair, and the guy who, you know, although he's stern, he, you know, has your back when you guys need it. Mm. The character of the chief pops up a lot in cop fiction. You know, the big tough guy who's in charge of the whole precinct. He's literally chief of police? Yeah, yeah pretty much. Sometimes he can just be a street sergeant. But terms change over in, you know, uh, the London... Jolly old London Yep, exactly. Oh yeah, we apologize again for all for anything we totally got wrong in yeah. regards to that London That too. Stuff. We, we totally called ourselves detective more than once. So yeah, and then the third case that you guys were involved in was Man vs. Myth. That whole chestnut. Uh, that was a long one. The fight pit, right? That's the one. Uh, yeah. That one was great, but... I would say, like, the key the key moment of it was when Yvette spontaneously realized she had the perfect tool for the situation. Yeah. Oh, when you just started busting locks? No, when she sanctified the ground. Oh, yeah! <laughs> I great. will admit, I did not see that coming. So, yeah, surprising the GM is always a great way to run the scenario. Yeah, I'll say the raid was a really great, like, session. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah, I think the, the build-up was maybe a little slow, but the actual raid on it was very good. Yeah. Yeah. But you sanctified the ground, Blackmore committed war crimes, everything was Yeah, you set all the people on fire. <laughs> I created that session as a way to show how humans uh, who could gain myth abilities 
could abuse myths for their own profit, basically. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, to show that myths in this setting, as a result of being brand new to the world and stuff, could be a vocal minority and stuff like that. Yeah. I I will say I I enjoyed the entire portion of that fight where where Chip showed how Shotgun is equally as effective as being a ghost who is on fire. (laughs) That too, yeah. I have the most powerful myth ability. The myth of John Moses Browning. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> there were a couple of things that, in hindsight, I should have done maybe a little bit differently. For example, I had was actually planning on Lucius Creed, the Minotaur that you guys met, as a possible member to join in the fight to help you guys out if it had spilled further into the warehouse. Hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, that's sort of the, the thing with GMA is always coming up with ideas and then yep. never being realized. And you're like, my ideas! Yep, that's part of the game. I've learned to accept it at this point. But, hey, I'm happy with how everything turned out. All the I same. disagree. I think it just comes up with an idea. Force it. <laughs> Force it down their gullets. Put them on those tracks. Put them on them tracks. <laughs> Bring them into the station. True, true. That's the station you wrote about instead of the shitty station they're trying to get to. <laughs> you're in You're in front of the crown prince. Can we try to attack? No, you can't. Remember, <laughs> if you're trying to play D&D or any t- tabletop game, it's your story. <laughs> <laughs> Force them into it. They'll, they'll thank you for it. No one's ever had a bad time when someone else forced them into something. In fiction. In fiction. In fiction. <laughs> so after that whole adventure and stuff, well, after your accomplishments and essentially being the new people on the block who showed their accomplishments, you guys then caught the attention of the Myth Town Council. I was not expecting that there to be like a Myth government. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I didn't think that they they had enough time. Well, it had been enough time for them to realize that, hey, we're, you know, we need at least some form of governing among our own ranks, so to speak. And I'd be curious to know, like, we didn't, we haven't explored it very much, but I mean, for them, it's, for us, it's been thousands of years since the myths were on Earth. That's correct. For them, it was like an an instant. Oh. Or, Or were they, like, do they recognize that it's been thousands of years? Like, did they feel that difference? They recognize that a lot of time has passed. But I mean... It for from, them from, from how their long perspective, has it like were they one day like I'm picking flowers in a meadow, and then like there was some freeze moment, and then now they're in modern times. Not necessarily. They have been up to their own devices while they have been away from Earth, <laughs> but that is They've actually been in their own dimension. <clears throat> that's what a lot of people have theorized. But something very interesting is that no myth, no matter how hard you question them, will ever admit to what was going on while they were away from Earth. Hmm. Which is a very odd thing that a lot of humans in this world are very. I feel like it would have been really good to know that. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Suspicious as shit. Well, we shouldn't go in any deeper as people might might not listen to this important. Despite how informative it is, Hmm. it's not an actual episode. So let's not like drop lore bombs on people. All right. Yeah, Yeah, no. They have to listen to this episode? They have to. No, 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 no. It's okay. Anything that also, I... Also, we're going to write a... Blog. Chris is going to write a blog post. It's going to be 10 pages minimum. Mm. And all will, the background need at least except 10 that, like, secondary sources. Except, except half, yeah, half, of, review. half of the sentences will be fake, and you'll only know which ones are fake if you listen to the podcast. Yep. Chris, start listening to them, please, right now. <laughs> I'm going to be graded on this, aren't I? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and so far you're getting an F. So, so start listening. Okay. <laughs> this worth 30% so, of your grade. So, uh, anything, any new bit of information that I reveal here will also be revealed in Season 2 of Mythos Unit. So, no need to worry about spoilers or anything like that. Well, also, if you, for them to know that, they'd also already have to be listening, so. What? Adam, I guess. Adam. <laughs> uh, <Get> okay. <laughs> Let's get back on track a little bit. Um, sure. But yeah, basically, I created Mythtown as sort of, well, a place away from the hustle and bustle of the city. Like, basically, the fantasy element that removes it a little bit from, you know, human society that we're all familiar with. Hmm. Yeah. A couple of inspirations included uh, stuff by Hayao Miyazaki, such as Spirited Away, for example. So... Basically, I really wanted to create this sense of otherness, so to speak. Uh, definitely a place that's a little more removed from human society and such. Hmm. And the Myth Town Council, basically, yeah, that kind of... Well, I just cr- thought of a couple of interesting myths that had already existed, as well as a you know, couple of 
original ones here and there, and overall just pieced it together bit by bit. So, um, Megan, why don't you tell us a little bit about your patented techniques for achieving the perfect Duvio <laughs> The perfect Do you do any vocal warm-ups? What's your process? Have you, have you ever been to New Zealand? No, my process is um, watching a lot of media that involves Kiwis and spending hours upon hours cataloging a collection upstairs at a museum with a vet speaking almost solely in a New Zealand accent. That was literally where it formed. And literally the reason I can't do any other accents anymore. I've been poisoned, and it's your fault. I was gl- I'm was. i glad to have been there at the start. The other <laughs> the other trick is... I don't know, actually. This is from Joey. It's from it's, it's from uh, The Dark Knight. Uh, specifically the scene where um, Michael Caine is talking about... Which is funny, because Michael Caine's not from New Zealand. Oh, interestingly no. enough, um, yes. Uh, He's talking about like the time that he was in Burma. Yeah, and and, and, and there was the guy who like had got paid, got all the gems, and he started dropping them. Mm-hmm. And then and he just like references the size of one, which is the size, size of, of a tangerine. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. Up until this moment, I thought it was sides of a tangerine. <laughs> <laughs> I had a gem, the size of a tangerine. What? I don't know how it worked. I didn't know that there was a reference to the dark Knight. because at the beginning, sometimes I would have trouble. Getting into the accent. And Joey, so Joey was like, just say sides of the tangerine. And so now if I say sides of the tangerine, then, then I can go it into happens. it. It's like, it all like comes a, back yeah. to you. Well, it's just like you need like that, like a phrase that you yeah. know what it sounds like in the accent. And then you can just like, it's like a bit of a push on a bicycle to get the pedals moving. Mm. Okay. So one thing I did actually want to ask about Mythtown is, um, you like Jack basically ending up hooking up with effectively like, a retainer to the Grove Mother. I'm really curious to see if you planned that, or if that was just something that you're like, yeah, you know what, let's go with that. Yeah. It was partially improvised, I'll admit. Basically, I knew that Jack would have a very soft spot for the ladies and all that, so I decided to introduce a, well, a female element, so to speak. Somebody that yeah. he could potentially be interested in. More like a female elemental. Great. <laughs> that, is, that is the best possible that, reaction to a pun, honestly. That is the sound that grass makes when you step on it. <laughs> um, hmm. Well, I will say, the original plan was always like he'd be a bit of a ladies' man. Not in the sense that he was like a ladies' man, but he, he really wants to be a hero. Yeah. And a hero always has, you know, someone to save, has a as a princess or something. Right. So So it's more about like, I wanna find my true love. She might be my true love, she might be my true love, that lady over there, that might be my true love. So like I gotta I don't even know if that thing over there is a lady, but it might be my true love. I will admit the hero thing definitely played into you know, the whole uh Disney princess style pers- personality and all that. And yeah. now she's getting murdered. What? Hey, hey, you don't know that. <laughs> Harry, I don't know what you're talking about. Now I have a grass goat. <laughs> Well, and I'll say, like, for the first several sessions, I thought it was going to be more with Yvette's character. Uh, yeah. Because no. there, there was a bit of that dynamic. Like, we're both young people, mm. like, single. Basically, it's the beginning of a rom-com, more or less. Well, and we're co-workers, and there's that kind of, that... Meet cute. Mm. That meet cute. cute. Yeah. Well, and there was a scene on the rooftop with the wine where it seemed like, oh, things are going to go there. And then I was like, ah, not this time. And then, Yvette was away for, I think, two yeah. sessions after that. Yeah. And that is when the flower lady was introduced. You missed I'm your chance. Super, I'm not super you, you, missed, you missed your <laughs> shot. Oh, sorry, my luck. Oh. <laughs> my love. <laughs> but I always thought it could be something that came back later on or like well, could, never be, know. could create drama later. Mm-hmm. But, spoilers. If Unless there's some drastic changes in my life in the future... I will probably not be coming back for Mythos Unit Season 2. Oh, so no. Jack Houston was the only reason that you listen. Tune out now. It's oh. over. Oh! Really? Or tune in, in case there's a, a, a twist. I'm lying. So both of them are going to get it. Megan just went to the lottery and she'll have to leave. Well, if I win the lottery, I have, like, stuff to do. <laughs> True. I have money stuff to do. Money to I'm spend. better than this podcast yeah. at that point. So, I don't need you people. At that point, I could go play with, like, Vin Diesel. You know? <laughs> oh. it's, a, it's a better group. It is, yeah. Yeah. So, care to inform the readers why Jack won't be coming back? Or I mean, right now the plan is I will be going back to school in September and run the middle of a different campaign. 
which you should be hearing, I think, just after this episode is posted. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, and probably by the time that campaign ends, I will be leaving. Mm. Alternatively, by the way, y'all, I got an interview for a job in the Arctic. What? Yep. Is this the Churchill Manitoba, or is this a different one? Churchill. Uh, it's that based in the Arctic. still uh, the Arctic. Oh. I have to write a report before I go. Is that to the university? Is that something you do? We can talk about this after <laughs> recording. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's more details to this story. Point being, the odds are good I won't be here at some mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Well, we will definitely miss Jack, as he brought a lot to the table. Well, most, most, most not Megan, though. Only the character. <laughs> <laughs> Jack's just one of your many hits. <laughs> mm. But, yeah, in case uh, that happens... Uh, then the plot will receive a couple edits here and there to accommodate that. <clears throat> Season two was actually just all about Jack. Sorry, <laughs> just shitting on my plans, Megan. <laughs> Speaking of your plans, um, so after we met the uh, the Myth Council, yep. did you plan for like the the whole double murder thing coincide, or like was that something you like double murder, like the murder and then also like the stealing case, like giving us two cases at once? Was that, like, specifically something you had been planning out, or was it just like, oh, I have two ways for them to get into this investigation? Uh, basically, two tr- two breadcrumb trails that led to the same destination, so to speak. And we got both! Mm-hmm. And that also leads me to another little topic, the man in black. Originally, when I was planning out that session, it led to, you know, just a raid on, basically, a drug lab and stuff. And I thought, it's all well and good, but it still needs something. And then I realized... There are all these super powerful people in society, and what with all the crime going on, there might be somebody who wants to do something about all this. Why not put in a superpowered vigilante uh, just to spice things up? So yeah, that's how that came about. Mm. Basically, and Jack will never have. I will never get that other shoe. Yep. yep. I know that's the main thing about the Man in Black. It's like we know his shoe size. Mm. We know his shoe size, <laughs> and we know he has some sick J's. We know he has. <laughs> so yeah, basically the idea behind that character was to introduce somebody who could potentially be on your side, but at the same time is running counterpoint to essentially the letter of the law and all that. Somebody who is achieving goals for the greater good, but through the greater good. less than legal <laughs> means. Yeah, nice hot fuzz reference. Yeah, always. Uh, it is a London game after all. And... Mm. So, yeah, basically somebody who could be either friend or foe, in any case. Yeah, and didn't Quincy end up, like, almost recruiting him? Yeah, no, that, that, to, to go back to the whole Quincy is, is smarter than I play him normally thing is, Quincy also is not as okay with having been, like, in my mind, Quincy's motto is, like, I'm too old for this shit, but, like, not in the cranky <laughs> way, but, like, in the kind of, like, I don't care if I get fired, I'm, like, I'm an old man. <laughs> I'm retired. Still get that pension? <laughs> yeah, I'm already. But I'm doing this as a favor to all you. People. Yeah. So yeah. So so that's why his his view of the law is maybe a little skewed because he's kind of and so his approach to that guy was like, hey, we should work together. But hey, that's another fantastic plot hook that can still be resolved in season two. Yeah. And then the next case after all of that was involving the troll market. Uh, so yeah. basically. You know, I had oh, that's the... also where we lost the the one lost. Uh, I wish we still had that bit. Oh yeah, yeah. we lost out all of my negotiations with uh, the ghoul. Yep, yeah. and we missed uh, Chip talking like a good old boy. Yeah, that was fun. Oof. Uh, <laughs> I I regret not having the introduction for both of the Kappas. That was very fun. That's okay. But... Just don't tell anybody about it, and then they'll never know. Hey, we're yeah. too late. But the idea behind that was a very simplistic crime that turns into something that, you know, is almost more than the team can handle. Mm. Basically, you know, the hi- the hatching hydras, and then uh, the myth call that yeah. happens with the Swampler. And, and then I managed to get, like, the most choice line ever when Buttermaker's motorcycle falls into the mud and he calls us in regards to it. And I say, oh no, don't worry. It's secure. Yep, that was good. <laughs> mm. And it was, because it was in concrete. Yes. Yeah. So I wanted to show an example of what happens when a myth travels into this realm, so to speak. Like, how it actually happens and all that. And, yeah, just how chaotic and random well, it's it not be. like every myth shows up like that, right? Or else there would have been, like, a million meteors. Did that happen? 
Yeah. 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 That that was. There were literally a million meteors. It was a hell of a night when it happened, and it happened much more sporadically after that. But that night, it was like popcorn. It was like a lot really early, and then like a couple of ones at the end. Yeah. People were going crazy. Entire countries thought they were under attack by WMDs and stuff. Like, how are we still alive? Yeah. Wouldn't everyone have just like launched fire all missiles? No. no. I I feel like it's more like civilians would think that the military would be like, nope, that's not. (laughs) That ain't no WMD. That shit, son. That's a dragon. <laughs> no, it was uh, it was a night. Let's say that. Uh, but yeah. Anyhow, it also gave me the opportunity to bring back the man in black and show that he was unequivocally or without question on the side of good. But also to paint him as a target for the higher ups in the police t- uh, team, notably by stealing Buttermaker's motorcycle. Hey. So yeah. I mean, heck, they're at, basically that was my opportunity to give you guys a J. Jonah Jameson moment as, you know, uh, wanting Spider-Man, basically. <laughs> but none of us need, none of us got any pictures of Spider-Man. Mm, no, no, but, uh, well, you know, the guy who is determined to believe that the hero or a hero is actually a menace to society. Mm. So, yeah, basically a little wrinkle for the plot, you might yes. say. And then after that was basically the murder. The yeah. murder. Everything was leading up to that particular case. Everything that you guys had done before that was essentially set up. Showing how the world works with myths in it and giving you guys an idea of what cases could be like. And that was the big moment that would change the campaign forever. The introduction of the smiley face killer. Mm. So yeah, that was uh, mm, probably as dark as the campaign's going to get. In terms of just, in terms of pure content, basically, because uh, as you might expect, the smiley face killer is a very uh, creative individual, mm-hmm. so to speak. Yeah, Parker's also super over dramatic. <laughs> like he blacked out a whole city, killed one person. Well, we don't know that he did that specifically. Yeah, there's still a lot of things that you guys don't know about that incident. I will say one thing about that particular case that did kind of get me is when we were doing getting the warrant for the guy, something Foster, uh, and you had the character of, I completely forget his name, but I only Judge remember... Judge White. Yeah, I just keep calling him Judge Fudge. And like his pre his like prescient ability to know when a cause is just. Because like I was really excited to have like that Law and Order moment where you like go into the courtroom or like the judge's office and you have to explain the thing. And, like, don't get me wrong, I like Judge White as a character, mm. and I'm totally looking forward to, like, us fighting a dragon, and he's going to show up, and it turns out he's, like, an amnesiac Sir Galahad or King Arthur or something like that. Because <laughs> I know that's where it's going. But, yeah, like, but then you made up for it when I had to do that thing where I talked to the Grove Mother and got her permission Ooh. to cooperate with her. Yeah, that's something else. But she wanted to do that thing, and I had to explain to Hightower what exactly she wanted and what exactly I promised, and he just had that moment of, because I could so see, like, I, because, like, one of the things that my character I've been kind of trying to play him as is, uh, like, he's still the same, like, gruff, sad boy that he is. Yeah. But the other thing is that I kind of like playing him. Is that how you think of yourself, Harry? No, oh, I'm, I'm gruff, sad boy all the time. That's my aesthetic. Loud, sad boy. <laughs> but, like, one of the things that I've also been kind of playing him is, like, someone that's been at Scotland Yard long enough to kind of know like, how the system works effectively. Right. And so, like, that moment where I had to explain to Hightower and do what is effectively office politicking was so in the thick of it, it was just very, very good, and I liked it so much. Perfect. Glad to hear that. Yeah. Make Harry do all the paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> you fool. Yeah, the character of the Grove Mother was definitely an interesting one. Basically, the idea behind her is that she is an example of a myth who is, you know, definitely unwilling to trust humans. Until they prove themselves, that is. And there have been very few who are like that. Hmm. And she doesn't like handshakes. That too, yes. So yeah, and having her be, you know, immediately affected by the first murder, you know, definitely, well, you know, among the worst worst case scenarios, so hmm. to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then... Yeah, I decided to open up the game a little bit more, give you guys more flexibility in approaching cases, give you guys some time to, you know, do things on your own and stuff. And that's what led to the last session involving the arrest of Elliot Foster, who up until that point was the prime candidate for the true identity of the smiley face killer. Yep, and then it turned out he was just 
possessed or something. Or something. Still figuring it out. He was a crazy man. Yeah. Yeah. Body Jack also creating some sort of magical WMD. We're not entirely sure. Still figuring it out. Uh-huh. But it did lead into what I had planned for the boss fight involving the Gasha Dolkuro. Perfectly, perfectly done, by the way. Uh, we definitely went completely on plan and didn't do anything Chris didn't expect. <laughs> That's what we were told. Mm. Yeah, I had planned for you guys originally to, uh, well, exit the mansion in a different way, and that would result in you essentially being cornered by the Gasha Dokoro and having to fight it uh, before, you know, it could be defeated. But instead, you guys wound up in the van, and it result- resulted in a humongous chase sequence and a church, which I did not expect whatsoever. That was pretty good, though. Yeah. Yeah. I think when the church was a really good setting for yeah. that fight. Yeah. yeah, especially when it started throwing stuff. And then we're like, ah, oh, you know, like, you know, at the end, when we're all just really tired, and Blackboard just starts handing out whiskey. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was good. Mm-hmm. And that was a good way to leave the first season, basically. Uh, with you guys realizing that something big is in the picture, so to speak. And, you know, uh, this is definitely not the end, but only the beginning of all the shit that lies ahead. So please tell me, like, the beginning of the first season is going to be, like, the after-action report that Buttermaker has dragged all of us to, to justify the destruction of what is almost assuredly, like, a 500-year-old church. Lennon <laughs> has, like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. London is old, and America is big. That's the the trade off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what else is really big? Canada. Yeah. Ooh. yeah. Second largest home. country in the world, geographically speaking. Except we no one lives anywhere in Canada. Yeah, that's true. It's too cold. <laughs> Thirty million people, all within fifty miles of border. Mm-hmm. Tacticians. So, so I mean, all have passports. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was, uh, I must admit, this game, planning this game and running it has been a bit of a roller coaster for me, in that I have been forced to think on my feet here and there and plan out, you know, some plot twists and some eventualities that I originally hadn't planned, but, yeah, a lot of it was very, very enjoyable. And I'm, I am definitely happy with how a lot of decisions were made and how a lot of things went. Mm-hmm. So, Chris, be honest with me. Mm-hmm. How much did, uh, did Chip's ability to shout things into submission mess with your plans? Quite a bit. Quite a bit. It was, uh, it's an ability, that let's say that. But, uh, yeah, it, hey, you wanted to have it, so, yeah. It let you play the role of the domineering cop, so if that's what you wanted, and if that's how you had fun, then that's what's important. Whatever allows you to play out your Fifty Shades fantasies, John. Please <laughs> <laughs> bag, but... I, I will That's say not that. What's I thought you said freezer bag, <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> freezer bag. That's, ah, that someone's finish. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say that that power is probably my favorite power I've ever said in Wild Talent. Uh, of course it is. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it's overly mechanically complex, yep. and but. Brutally effective in a very limited situation. Mm-hmm. Overly Absolutely. mechanically complex. You mean every very, power in Wild Talents? Yeah, a very limited situation, which applies perfectly to the job that you have and the situations that we encounter. Yeah. Just wait until we encounter, like, the League of French Assassins, and they won't be able to understand you, and then they'll be like, ah, no! It's okay. If they run into the League of French Assassins, I'll pull up Google Translate on my phone, because it is plausible that as a Canadian, I would have some knowledge. Well, you know what makes sense <laughs> is if Chip just learned how to say stop, in, like, many languages. Stop! Yeah. Oh, hey! <laughs> Honk! Yeah. Just starts carrying around a big stop sign. Yellow. <laughs> yeah. Do what's on the sign! <laughs> oh, and something else. There is one NPC in particular. Um, first off, Judge White. Uh, Harry, uh, yes. you might... Well, he was completely improvised on the fly. And at the time, I actually had no idea about how people get arrest warrants. I, you know, I, I figured what? that kind of because <laughs> you did, did you that. Read the Wikipedia page, man. No, I, I after all, did job both times about all this. The research like, you went through. I, I, think and... I, re- I think I remember after the pitch, we're like, Chris made that character on the fly, didn't he? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I had the sneaking suspicion, like the minute you said, like, oh, he just kind of knows which warrants are like just. I'm like, okay, that opens up a ton of questions that are not probably going to be answered here. <laughs> I'm like, 
after I realized one of you after I realized that um, warrants aren't obtained in the space of five minutes, that there had to be a very, very fucking good explanation for why he's been able to keep his job after okay. so long. Well, on that, note, like I said, amnesiac, amnesiacs or Galahad. On that note, what was everyone's favorite NPC? Favorite NPC. Favorite NPC. Um. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Mine was Spider-Man. Oh. You mean the like NPC that's almost guaranteed for us to think he's evil? Turns out he's good, but then double twist, he's actually evil. Yes. I don't like that. (laughs) Robot Spider. Silas. Yeah. Oh, Silas for sure. I will not say anything about the true character of of Silas. this out. Like, we don't actually put this session up for yep. It's not even turned on, Chris! <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't uh, yeah, mm. Silas was definitely my favorite. Mm. Also, I think... I'm not even sure why. I think it's because he's so creepy or was, like, intended to be so creepy but you're just like, I'm just fascinated. <laughs> you seem like such an interesting man. Yeah. You know everything. You've ate robot spider legs. You're an impeccable so, tailor. You're, yeah, you're an impeccable tailor. And you somehow know everything about crime. <laughs> and your clothes are affordable. Mm. He is the most interesting spider person in the world. <laughs> yeah, I will admit, I did have fun creating the character of Silas. So, yeah, as for the further depth and complexity of his character, yeah, who knows uh, what you'll find out about him. So, so I almost regretted playing a straight dude. Because I couldn't handle <laughs> You won't- Hey, you, you could be bi. You haven't really, like, made that uh, distinction. Selectively bi. Maybe, but I don't think it is. <laughs> As opposed to non-selectively bi? Yeah. You turn it on and off like a light There's some people that are, like, 50-50, and some people mm. are 70-30. But mm. I would say for his character, even if he was bi or gay, I don't think mm. Silas and he would make sense. I don't mm. think that's what you mean. You say that, but shippers, go! Do your work! <laughs> God's work. <laughs> mm. uh, By the way, we will totally accept and like link to any fan fiction if you want to write it. Oh, yeah. uh, or John, that is opening the more erotic the I, better. I will review it, and based on a very specific set of criteria <laughs> unknown to everyone except for me, I will <laughs> accept it or deny it. Well, okay, the rest of us is ready. Yeah. Um, I have to say, my favorite NPC or NPCs really is just the trolls, mostly because like. I like the orcs from 40k, and the orcs from 40k are basically just British soccer hooligans. Yep. And the trolls are basically just British soccer hooligans. So it's like, great! They're British soccer hooligans that sell shit. Yeah. Uh, the trolls are meant to be, you know, um, likable criminals, in a sense. You know, the guys who are on the wrong side of the law, but at the same time, you know, you can't really hate them at the end of the day. They hang out and try. Because they're not, like... They're not malicious. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> they're, they're just on the wrong side of the law. But they're not evil at all. Yeah, it, it, what, there's no like. I mean, that some of them are evil, like, I'm sure. Some of them, Pro- but as yeah. like a total, like a lot of them do illegal stuff. Yeah, but it's mostly just out of kind of their nature and a disregard for our customs. And like, they're an oppressed minority. Mm. Sure, I blame society. <laughs> I mean, there was an entire conversation where where a I think it was a satyr had it to was. had had to constantly be like, "But I'm not racist. <laughs> <laughs> this is just how they are. But I'm not racist." Yeah. Chip could get behind that. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, no. Chip wasn't there, unfortunately. Oh, I don't yeah. that. I mean, like, Chip was the one who, like, ran his way onto the thing, and he would have shot those trolls if he, like... Mm, if he was given a good reason to. <laughs> he would have just had a belt of knives. Like, he shoots one, plants a knife on him, shoots the next one, plants a knife on him, shoots right. that one. You will no. never know how close you were to them taking you into the back of the brig and breaking your knees. That would have been real impressive if I wasn't magic. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Surprise! Everybody do the dinosaur! And then they were compelled to do the dinosaur. Mm. So that's the they don't know. Wait, what happens if you give them a command, but they don't... If you tell them, like, do the cha-cha slide, but they never... They have, have to be able to understand what, the, mm. what I'm asking. Right. They, they, I don't know specific... the dinosaur. They have to I don't able... even know what the dinosaur is, frankly. They have to be able to directly and willingly disregard your orders. Yeah, they... 
Yeah, so I can't also ask them to do impossible things. That too. It's not an Ella enchanted situation. Yeah. <laughs> Stop <laughs> existing! What? Uh? <laughs> Those chip has found Broker, a way to murder. Broker this peace treaty in the Middle East. <laughs> <laughs> Within the canon of Ella Enchanted, Things get I think real that there. would work. What? Like, just saying stop no, Because whenever someone says stuff that to her that is physically completely pot, like, they say freeze, and she literally freezes into ice. Yeah. So if you say... But, like, she freezes in midair? She freezes in midair. So, just like stop existing. Oh my god. Welcome also, to our Ella Enchanted lore cast. <laughs> also, I believe she's like jumping over a barrel and the barrel stops moving too. Yes. In which time around her also stops. So, <laughs> theoretically, if someone told Ella Enchanted to stop existing, so, okay, she'd just hide, blink out of existence. They hide her power, but if she told her friend, who everyone was like racially oppressing, like, if you tell me anything, it will happen. She could have just been like, can you solve racism? Or, or, sorry, she would have had to say, solve racism. <laughs> and then she would have. Determine the two-state solution. But instead, only bad people figured out her power. <laughs> My god, Anne Hathaway threw away an opportunity. <laughs> the fairy godmother was right. <laughs> I guess that's why no one likes her. Alright guys, we've solved <laughs> Ella Enchanted. Thank you so much for listening. At least, <laughs> at least the movie version. Mm. True. Yeah. We, I don't know, I've never read not, the Not the same in the book. So this is going on the B-roll, right? <laughs> uh, Ella Enchanted aside. Uh, Why? This is going to have the most editing of anything I've ever <laughs> Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, any other NPCs that caught your eye or anybody that, you know, presented some interesting plot twists for you guys? I want to find out what's up with this kid. Ooh. Oh yeah, yeah. you have a kid. Oh yeah! What? Your son. Oh, yeah. yes. That was one of the most questionable, like, series of events. Yeah. Like, the warrant was, like, mm, questionable, but, like, I met a kid, he moves in with me. It's like, wait, is there no more sepsis? Well, it's because the, the parents didn't want him, and also Quincy didn't care about the law again. True. It was like, the parents didn't want him, and I can, like, I can finagle, like, oh, he's a ward of the state. We're, we're holding him for, for his own protection, because, also because his parents won't take him back. It's like that scene in Moonrise Kingdom, where the kid moves in with the cop in his trailer for a day, and I'm just like, is this... Is, is there that legality? Is this, is this how that works? Is this what happens? Because, I don't know if you guys have seen that movie, but Bruce Willis gives that kid a beer in a milk glass that just had milk in it. <laughs> That's the real travesty of Moonrise Kingdom, anyway. Well, Quincy gives no fucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, but, Quincy would never give a kid beer in a milk glass. I'm sure by now you've realized there's more to John Candon than meets the eye. It's, He's a transformer. <laughs> that explains everything. All the light. Oh my god. He transforms from a child <laughs> into an adult? <laughs> <laughs> well, it takes like ten years. And then he turns into a truck. <laughs> Quincy, you no, are no, going to no, have no, the no, most no. insane then myth power. he yeah. turns into a tree. And his body. Oh, turns into oh. And then it feeds the earth. Well, oh. this got dark. Oh, the saddest and lamest transformer. And then as he ages and starts to become like a senior, just slowly parts of his body become truck parts. <laughs> <laughs> My hip! Like, literally, they can drive him to his own funeral. It's great. Oh. <laughs> Why is this so dark? Drive him right into the grave. <laughs> drive him off a cliff into a hole. <laughs> Why are you people doing this to this no. podcast? Then he would explode because you know cars, cars are on down. Yeah, they, yeah. they fall off a significantly mm. large distance. Yep. I don't know. That sounds like a great way to go. <laughs> Rad as fuck. <laughs> I want someone to walk away from my dead body as it explodes. Okay, I just want to fall off a cliff and explode. <laughs> Spontaneous combustion. <laughs> I think that's how people work. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame we don't produce flammable gas. I mean, we do. Well, what about in Logan's run when they all ascend into the... God. We <laughs> are getting some fucking obscure <laughs> lore discussions tonight here, folks. Logan's run is obscure. It came out in the 70s. <laughs> so, your mom came out in the 70s. <laughs> um, there were, yeah, a couple NPCs here and there that I definitely have, well... Pretty much all of them, there is a little bit more to them that can be explored in season two. So, you guys yeah, know, like uh, that uh, that uh, internal affairs guy who showed up for like one episode and then never came back. Creedy. Yeah, Creedy, the guy who in no way is going to turn out to be massive traitor. Hmm. I no way, no way. Believe me, I have quite a bit planned for Edwin Arthur Creedy. 
Wow, he, he wrote his name. middle name. Yeah, oh, that's God. how you know he's evil. Yeah, Last this is story. no, no. I wasn't suspicious before. Now I'm suspicious. Mm. There is <laughs> one other thing that I'd like to discuss before we finish up, and that is uh, the little pet that Jack found himself uh, unexpectedly saddled with. Okay, I was so expecting, like after the meeting with the Grove Mother, that she'd be like, "Oh, by the way, someone stole one of my like, you know, like royal shrubs." It's like, "All right, I'll take a look at it." What's the description? Oh, it looks like a goat. And then I just have a moment where like Blackmore is like externally keeping very calm and but on the inside he's like oh my god Jack I'm gonna kick the shit out of you hmm. uh yeah well he's a basically legal goat. it was after Jack gave uh you know Spring Meadow a plant and I thought okay what can I possibly do with this so of course she gave him a plant and when a myth gives you a plant of course it's just gonna be an ordinary house fern right <laughs> I thought it was so- a cabbage it was cabbage. Yeah, it was cabbage shape. So then I thought, what would happen if it turned out to be this ridiculously uh, powerful thing that, you know, found itself, you know, being cared for by one of the most irresponsible members of the cast? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Jack is deeply responsible. Mm-hmm. Deeply. Deeply, I just also like ice cream. Normal. Mm. I mean, everybody does, so... Yeah, you just I happen to I eat like it, gelato. like, three times a day. Possibly for each meal. I'm an adult. You can't tell me what not to do. Mm-hmm. It's okay. I'm ripped. I do whatever I want. Yeah. Hmm. But, yeah, aside from that, that's almost... Yeah, just about everything that I really wanted to discuss. I mean, I do have a lot more planned for Season 2. Like, a lot of bases that I haven't covered so far in terms of myths and what myths are capable of, as well as interesting powers, abilities, and plot twists. Ways to use characters that, you know, weren't really explored in the first season. And, yeah, interesting twists on many familiar myths and fables that a lot of viewers might be familiar with. Like the Gasha Doko. Yeah, but they view it. They look at the screensaver. Yes, John. They're viewers, but listeners, and they're important to us very, very much. You can see with your ears. Mm-hmm. What? It's called theater of the mind. I feel like I should be concerned about your health, Harry. <laughs> you should not be able to see through your ears. You mean I shouldn't be able to have complete 180-degree vision? <laughs> not quite, no. <laughs> uh, well, I guess that if that's everything... Yeah, just about. All right. Well, This has been... A postmortem. Postmortem. It's been a thing. The most easily editable podcast (laughs) we've ever made. Stay tuned for season two. Yeah. Thanks very much, listeners. Hopefully, uh, we'll be getting to season two very soon. Uh, Well, relatively speaking, you might say, but. Anyway, thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you soon. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. You can find us on Tumblr at listentothesenerds.tumblr.com or on Twitter at LTTNCast. All our music is sourced from Incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. You can email us at listen to these nerds at gmail.com.